Dear Lord, you taught us in your word that in this world that we would have trouble, but to take heart that you have overcome the world. And we've just celebrated the meal of communion, and we're reminded of how you've overcome sin and death and that you offer us hope. And so, Lord, I pray that the words that I speak from your word would be life and that they would offer hope and guidance and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come to save and deliver and to lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, today we continue the lament series and we are going to be looking at Psalm 88 this morning. And so Psalm 88 is a psalm of um, a very good example of God's grace and how he teaches us to lament. And when we have trouble, which we will have, Jesus told his disciples that we would have trouble in this world. Um, but the question is, how do we deal with it? And so I believe that what we're going to learn today is not just going to be helpful, but it could actually save your life. I believe that um, it will help us to be more honest and healthy and humble. And as I begin this sermon, I want to tell you just a little bit about a woman named Jan Trevecki that I heard speak at a women's conference years ago. She was a public speaker. She and her husband were Christians. At that time, her husband had been a major league baseball pitcher, very successful, and um, by all appearances, at one point they seemed like they were really living the American dream, just everything that you could um, hope for, success, and um, just a wonderful platform for the gospel, a couple of children, a home. And yet um, I heard this woman tell her story and um, very honestly describe troubles that they had had and it significantly changed my life and helped me on a path of healing and learning how to deal with trouble in my own life. And so um, I'm going to tell you more of her story, but right now I want to read Psalm 88, where we hear the psalmist describe his troubles. And it starts with a declaration of faith. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call out to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? 
Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I've suffered and I've been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 88. The psalmist had troubles. These troubles overwhelmed um, the person that was writing. They were overwhelmed with troubles. It seemed that their life at times was near to death. It seemed like that there had been a chronic condition from childhood or young young um, youth. Um, they had been isolated and confined. They were lonely. They were missing their friends. There were all these external um, troubles that were dark and difficult. But then there was an internal trouble. There was a feeling of distance from the Lord feeling like he had been rejected by God, that um, perhaps God was punishing, or he even talks about the waves of wrath coming over him. And so he's not only very, very troubled about his um, physical circumstances, his relational situation, but his deep emotions and the feeling of being separate, even from the Lord, um, is what he verbalizes here. And he is um, struggling both with an internal and an external sense of um, deep, deep trouble and um, feeling overwhelmed. I don't know what your trouble is, what you might be facing, but I know that I can name some of the common ones that um, members of our church and our community face regularly. Uh, Perhaps it's mental illness, either your own or a family member, and how that impacts your um, your relationships. Perhaps it's just this matter of being sheltered in place and having an imposed isolation on us that is really getting to you and um, making you feel troubled. Or maybe that isolation wasn't imposed just recently with the shelter in place, but maybe your health has deteriorated to such that you've been shut in for a while and haven't been able to be out and about like normal. And that's very troublesome to you. Maybe it's troublesome to you and deeply troublesome that it is now springtime and you've been cooped up in the house much of the winter and suddenly the playground is there and all the equipment is taped up and the swing set is taped off and you can't play on the playground. Maybe the trouble is that you're in a domestic violence situation, that there's abuse in your relationship. Reports in our area are up 35% on domestic assault just in the last number of months. 
sexual abuse. Maybe that's the trouble. Maybe it's ongoing or maybe it's something that's happened in the past and just continues since early childhood has continued to trouble you and to give you um, troublesome thoughts, fears, anxieties. Perhaps there's addiction. Perhaps one of your um, your siblings or a cousin or a parent has an addiction and the impact that that's had on you and continues to have on you and all the loved ones. Perhaps it's unwanted singleness. Or perhaps the trouble is the heartache of something going on with one of your grandchildren. Or lacking friendships. Or perhaps it's a difficult marriage that's just never, never turned out the way that you had always imagined your marriage was going to be. And it's long term and it's chronic. Perhaps there's been depression or ongoing sadness. Or maybe you're facing financial ruin or loss of employment. Maybe it's been the death of a parent or a spouse or a child. Maybe you've changed locations and you're not adjusting well. Maybe you're a senior and um, your prom or your graduation plans have all of a sudden gotten taken away from you. Maybe it's a betrayal. There's so many troubles that are common. And some of them can be, if it's a chronic illness or a long-standing relationship or addiction or abuse, it can be years and years and years of troubles. It can really create times and seasons where we can find ourselves in a dark place. And I know I've been in that dark place before. And what did it feel like when I was at my lowest? I felt like life wasn't worth living and that I couldn't go on. I didn't find joy or pleasure in anything. Nothing sounded good to eat or drink or do. I didn't want to see anyone. I was afraid to leave the house. I didn't want to take any phone calls. I didn't want to see the sunshine. I wanted it to be dark and quiet and stay alone in my room. I wanted somebody to know and notice, but I didn't have the energy to reach out. I didn't want anyone to try to cheer me up. That really irritated me. I wanted someone to sit with me in my pain and my darkness without shaming me or without trying to fix me, but rather to acknowledge the pain with me. And I know even that sounds a little conflicted because I wanted people And yet I didn't want people. And I thought no one noticed and no one cared. And I thought it would last forever. You see, I was having these symptoms when I heard Jan Trevecki speak. And as this woman that seemed so well composed and so put together stood up and shared her story of troubles, she shared of having her husband go through cancer And she shared of having panic attacks and not being able to drive, feeling like she was losing her breath, like she was going to die. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I have that same thing. And she talked about depression and she talked about not feeling like she could get up in the morning or not take care of her children. And I could so relate to her symptoms. And it helped me to hear somebody honestly speak about something. And so in the first reading of her book, 
a joy I'd never known. The main thing I took away was just that panic and depression are real and that they happen to people, Christian people. And then my second reading of her book, I learned to acknowledge that pain and grief are real and need to be felt and need to be gone through and that it takes great faith to address these things. And so she talked about her um, multiple people that prayed with her, seeing a counselor, learning to um, look to the Lord. But I want to read just a little excerpt because I think maybe it helps us to see how um, important it is to address and be able to name our feelings, which she hadn't done for a long time until she went to see a counselor. And the counselor said, well, tell me everything. And so she says, I began and told our story about my husband's cancer, about my dad's death, which led me to my mother's death, my heart problems, the panic attacks, our crazy schedule, trying to take care of everyone. It seemed to take hours, and I told him everything that had happened, and I was sobbing uncontrollably as I did so. My husband had never seen me like this. He certainly had never heard me feeling sorry for myself. I used to pride myself on carrying everyone else's burdens. I didn't try to hide my own burdens. I just never acknowledged them to myself or anybody else. My husband, his concern was visible by the troubled expression on his face. And the counselor responded, My child, no wonder you're depressed. You've experienced so much loss in your life and you haven't acknowledged any of it. The pain that you've experienced, what have you done with it? You haven't grieved the death of your father. More so, I don't think you've grieved the death of your mother. You need to go back and grieve. She says, this session really upset me. It made me look at my losses and worse, to my way of thinking at the time, to feel them. And one thing I did not want to do is any more pain. I did not want to feel any more pain. Well, when we don't want to feel any pain and we don't want to acknowledge it, what happens is that we stuff it, we ignore it, we're not living honestly before the Lord or before anybody else or before ourselves, and we end up in this spiraling of burnout and physical problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems, and the antidote to that and the grace that God gives us is that we have this Psalm 88, which many say is the darkest psalm, but I want to say it is so full of hope because it gives us a model of being honest before the Lord, of crying out to the one who can save us. And so we see in Psalm 88 that it starts out with the very first verse demonstrates that I I cry to the Lord who can save me, my Lord. And so there's a relationship with God. You're the God who saves me. In verse 9, he says, I call out day. I, I call and pray out every day. I pray day and night. I cry out for help. I get up early in the morning. And then he talks about appealing to God's character. About, you know, well, who will tell about the wonders, about your love, about your faithfulness in verses 11 and 12. And so he knows who God is. He knows who he's calling out to, and he cries out when trouble comes, he cries out. 
And he continues to cry out. He's honest. He's saying, I'm hurting. There's tears. There's a healthy release. If you remember Pastor Dave's sermon last week, he talked about being honest before the Lord and what a gift it was when he could, after years of suppressing sad things, all of a sudden be able to cry those tears and how much lighter and better he felt after he had been able to cry and um, really name the things that he had lost through that injury. You'll also remember that um, Pastor Jaleesa talked to us about crying out to the Lord in lament and how that made space for the Lord to, to work in our lives. And so this idea of crying out is, is really humility. It's a cry out, help me. And suffering helps us to see our need for God. I was on a walk the other day, and I was at a cul-de-sac, and there were two little girls that were on scooters going around the cul-de-sac. And they were, um, I would say, probably about five years old, maybe six, and they were going quite fast for a spring day. Um, and all of a sudden, the um, front steering wheel, like, quickly jerked, um, like, oh, what do you call it, like, you know, 90 degrees, just suddenly, ooh, turned sideways, and the girl just face-planted and landed right on top of her scooter, and she hit hard on that concrete. And I was a distance away, but I could hear the thud when she fell, and she immediately jumped up and started running for her house. The garage door was open. Her mom was in the garage, and as soon as she was in earshot of her mother, She started wailing, Mommy, Mommy, help, help. And anyway, I thought, isn't that the way we are? That when we get hit with something, when trouble comes, when the job loss happens, the relationship crumbles, the finances happen, the depression kicks in, the anxiety, whatever it is, that we too can cry out to the Lord and She started to cry when she was in earshot, and she knew her mom could hear her. And I think this psalmist wrote this psalm and was crying out morning and night and hands up before the Lord praying because he knew that God hears. Even It's an act of faith to pray when we're in trouble. And the psalmist cries out. He humbles himself. He's honest before the Lord. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And it's just like the mom in the garage and the little girl that's screaming and crying. And it's, it's an act of faith when we, when we lament. I want to tell you some other things I see in this, in this lament of Psalm 88. I see God's grace in some ways that I hadn't noticed it before. And Tim Keller helped me. He's a pastor and, um, Some of his observations were really helpful, so I want to give credit to him. But really, he says that God's grace is seen in the recording and the canonizing of Psalm 88. That God welcomes messy, and he welcomes honesty, and um, it's like a parent who listens to a heartbroken teenager just ramble on and on, The parent loves and they know their teenager is saying things that maybe isn't quite 
perspective or maybe they're exaggerating a little bit or maybe that's just how they feel. But the parent isn't trying to correct all their thoughts and tell them you're going to get over this in, you know, five years. This won't be as big a deal. And maybe they say some mean things to their parent while they're in the process of dealing with their feelings. But the parent loves and listens and God loves and listens to the psalmist who who said things that were actually theologically wrong, um, that he, you know, when he says that God's wrath is coming over him like waves, well, Jesus would take on God's wrath. And so there's some things that are theologically could be corrected in this, but isn't it interesting? Like if we make a Facebook post and somebody comments on it and we don't think that's quite right, we might want to correct them or, you know, we might want to edit something or even our own, if we say something and we think later, oh, I'd rather have said it this way, we want to go back and correct it so we look better. God wasn't worried about what he looked like when the psalmist was ragging on him, saying how bad and how troubled his life was. He didn't go back and delete it or edit it out of Psalm 88. He included all the words in there so that we could see that when we're under trouble, we don't have to have, we don't have to pray perfectly or have the words just right, what God invites is raw, candid, vulnerable feelings. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, he says, and I will give you rest. And so bring those feelings, bring those troubles, bring how you're, how you're perceiving things, and call out to the Lord, just like the psalmist did. That's what Jan Trevecki's story taught me to do. That's what other people modeled for me um, when I was in the church and going through this really difficult time, what friends have modeled all along for me over um, the last 20 years is um, that we can be real and that we can be honest about the things that are really difficult and troubling. And I want to tell you that the darkness can be a profoundly spiritual place. It can be a place of transformation. Think about how that um, Job, he did not know what was happening when Satan had asked to sift him. And um, he did not know when he lost his children and then he lost his health and then his friends were saying all kinds of things that weren't true or accurate. Job was in a state of disequilibrium. And yet somehow coming through that process at the end, he said, I had heard of you before, but now my eyes have seen you. He came into an intimacy and a knowing of God that was transformative in his life. Joseph was thrown into a cistern in a dark place, in a deep place, a place where his brothers betrayed and abandoned him and sold him off into slavery. And yet he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He was transformed. He wasn't bitter, but somehow the Lord transformed him and prepared him to be a leader. Jan Trevecki was transformed. She said, I needed to learn to let go of control and self-sufficiency. And when I did, and when the Lord allowed these things to bubble up and to be exposed in my life through these troubles, I learned to give over control that I never had in the first place, but this sense of control. And I learned to trust the Lord. And the Lord gave her and her husband an amazing ministry 
to cancer um, victims and um, survivors and for those that had gone through amputation like her husband did. And so an incredible ministry was birthed, but it took a transforming time through a very dark and difficult season. My own journey has been transformative, and it continues to be. The Lord continues to bring healing as I cry out to him, as I bring the hurt and the pain, the situations as they come to my mind. Um, But learning how to um, not only take it to the Lord individually, but let people sit with you in the pain. And I just want to say, if you know somebody that's going through a dark season, don't go in and just say quick little whippets of Christianese things like, oh, just give praise to the Lord. Well, yes, praise the Lord, but also cry out to him. He's the one that can save you. Let him know how you're doing. Pray, cry, listen to the Lord. Don't rush. Go to Jesus. He is our sympathetic high priest. Hebrews tells us that um, he's gone through everything. He faced, he was tempted in every way. He faced the deep, deep darkness of the crucifixion and his burial so that we would never have to be totally alone. We would never have to be separated from the Father's love again. And so Romans 8 that tells us that absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love is true. And so it helps us to put trouble in perspective. So when Psalm 23 says that even though I walk through the darkest valley, that you are with me, we'll grow in intimacy as we ask the Lord, reveal your presence. And even if you aren't there, I'm going to keep crying out to you because I know you are there. Your word tells me you are, even if I don't feel it right now. Chronic pain. Again, Tim Keller tells the story of a woman who um, was in chronic pain, and one day he said, well, how are you doing today? And she said, well, nothing that the resurrection won't fix. And I love that because I thought, you know, it's not denying the pain, but it's speaking of the truth of hope. And when we go through long, difficult seasons, it helps us grow in our eternal, our longing for that eternal um, shalom, that ushering in of the new creation. And so the Lament Psalms are written in Scripture. They're not an individualistic thing, even though it was an individual that wrote it. It was written for the community of believers, of God's people, to actually sing together. If you can imagine singing the words of Psalm 88. So together we cry out about the troubles. We cry out about being near death. We cry out about being isolated. And so we're meant to lament as individuals. We lament as a community of believers. And we lament in hope and in faith. And so it's been pointed out that the Psalms oftentimes structurally will begin with praise and then go into naming the trouble and then back to praise again. That's a structure that we see in many of the Psalms. Pastor Dave pointed out that there seems to be a shift or maybe a pause. So between the first few verses and then maybe 
down around verse 4 or 5 in some of the Psalms, it'll shift to, from praise to naming the problem. Well, in Psalm 88, where is that pause? Where is that shift? And I want to propose to you that I think it's at the end. I think it goes through a life of crying out to the Lord and trouble, crying out to the Lord and trouble, crying out to the Lord and trouble. And it says, darkness is my closest friend. Pause. And I think the Lord would pose a question at that pause at the end of Psalm 88. And he would pose that question to you and to me. Whenever we have trouble, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be fake and pretend like it's not there? Are we going to be self-reliant and just try to um, buck it up and keep moving on? Or are we going to be honest and are we going to be humble and are we going to try to be emotionally healthy by crying out to Jesus Christ, our loving Savior, the one who can and will and has saved us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, and I pray that you would apply these words and these truths to our hearts. Lord, help us to cry out to you day and night. Make us a people who are honest in prayer, who are humble and admit our need for you, and that seek you with all of our hearts. Would you encourage us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.